Hi there, this is Kate McClanahan, and this is the Sound Advice Podcast. Ever wonder what sort of actor would specialize in playing creatures on shows like Grimm or Sleepy Hollow or American Horror Story? In the history of television, there have never been so many plot lines requiring such creepy characters as we have today, such as Game of Thrones and Stranger Things and all sorts of stuff. So our special guest today is Marty Matulis, who is an extraordinary voiceover talent, but he's also really... Well, Marty, tell me, what, what would you call this genre of the uh, entertainment field that you... Well, you said creepy creatures. Hi, Kate. You said creepy creatures, and I kind of like that name because okay. you know, generally they are creepy, and more often than not, they are definitely creatures. Um, in in the business, I think we're kind of calling it uh, creature suit performance or special effects makeup actors. Oh. There's no real one good catch-all, but as you said, it is a wonderful time right now for um, prosthetics and practical special effects makeup. Um, Can you tell us some of the characters that you've, or what creepy characters and shows that you've been on recently? Uh, most recently, <laughs> um, I'm on this season, the current season of American Horror Story, playing the Piggy Man. Because um, <laughs> he's such a, I don't need to describe that acting, much more at all. Yeah, you know, feet. No, it, but it, he kind of is. You know, he's an interesting one. Um, I'm up to my, I just logged my 11th character on uh, Sleepy Hollow. Wow. And uh, prior to that, I was on last season of Teen Wolf as the Dread Doctor, the Surgeon, and then this season as a Ghost Rider. So, oh. were you a ghost fun. as a Ghost Rider? I was ghostly. I'm not sure how ghostly we're huh. going to be, but we were kind of uh, supernatural cowboy cool. gunslingers. Interesting. So, okay, production values are better than they were in the past, at least. I mean, it's a huge improvement over Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I happened to catch a little bit of over the weekend, which was hilarious. I mean, they have, like, they look like fish heads. It's the forehead aliens. There's a syndrome. Yes, it is a Syndrome. It's a bad word. Let's say it's a trait. What's wrong with syndrome? Syndrome sounds intelligent, but it was not seeing anything. <laughs> Minus any potential negative connotation. Uh, yeah, Star Trek was kind of known for, you know, the forehead aliens. And yes. They would, they would get more elaborate, sometimes less elaborate. But I think largely it's due to the, the pace and budget of television that kind of necessitated a more simple makeup design. Are you a sci-fi fanatic? Are you kind of a, are you real into that? Not like, like Kookaburt fanatic. I really enjoy the genre and I think yeah. that helps a lot. Yeah. You know, as a yeah. kid, I loved monster movies. I loved, you know, outer aliens limits. and creepy You're gross too young things. for Outer Limits, but for yeah, me, was when like, I was really, really small, because I have all older siblings and stuff, they all were into, we loved Night Gallery and we loved Twilight Zone, you know, I love Twilight Zone. Yeah, great storytelling. And the creepy alien ones or the like the creature ones were was the outer limits. They would mm -hmm. always do that. But no, well, but what was your growing up for me, it was um Land of the Lost, the oh, Sid and Marty yeah. Croft show. That hit me right smack dab in the four to five year old right? brain pan. Sure. And and the slee stack terrified me. Oh, Cut yeah. to Cut to the remake with uh, Will Ferrell. Oh. I got to play a slee stack. Oh, was that your first one? No, I'd, the... I'd done a few since uh, prior to that, but that was that was one of the most um, significant at the time. Wow. Um, and connections through that job continued on, and I've made friends from that. And was it no? Was it mainly through makeup artists that you got these gigs, or I mean, how did that pan out? How did how what was the that particular images? one was kind of odd. Um, I, I have made a lot of friends over the years, and and get work through those friends when they're aware of a job that necessitates a tall, thin, strong, right. like reliable person right. to throw in makeup. 
Uh, Land of the Lost came out of the blue. I actually walked down with a couple of friends who were going to a uh, cattle call for a Star Trek movie. I got pulled out of the line, brought into another office. They said, we can't tell you anything that's going on, but it's this top secret thing. And then the top secret thing went to um, uh, an audition, a physical movement audition, huh. um, chatted up the the makeup guy who was there, and he thought he'd we'd work together. There was some familiarity, some connection. Who was he? Uh, Mike Elizalde of Spectral Motion. Hmm. Uh, have you worked with him since? I have, yeah. There was a, a pilot called Captain Cook's Extraordinary Atlas that we did. Huh. And then there was also a... Um, a film called The Apparition that shot in Berlin. And that wow. was with Mike as well. So how do, how do you become one of the go-to guys, though, for, for these funky roles, these oddball characters? How do you become one? I mean, well, it, it kind of snowballed in the last couple of years, right? Largely, it's been longstanding friendships with people who yeah. then, you know, after 10, 12 years, are department heading their own shows, and they want, like I said, reliable people. Yeah. Um Specific traits, and, and people do ask this, like, how do, you, how do you get involved? How do you be a monster or a creature? Um, typically, you need to have an or, inordinate amount of patience. You're going to be sitting in the chair for anywhere from two to six hours, having people poke at you with little brushes and glue and whatnot. Um, Never mind the giant, you know, plaster head they got to make of yeah, stuff. Do you, know, you do your whole body? Okay do like they do a plaster? Not being able to see or hear or drink or eat for hours on end, that's always a good thing to be able you to do. You don't care about that, because look how lean you are. No, no, I just... I. Osmosis myself. I know. It's just all I need is the air that I breathe. That's that's it. <laughs> See, no, but it's very interesting because it's like no, but you you do have an interesting look anyway. I mean, you have this very lean. Do you think that plays a huge role in playing these characters? I've heard some makeup artists say they they like sculpting on me because I'm kind of an angular faced mm -hmm. dude. Um, I think a guy like myself, might have a little bit harder time sometimes because I do have a more distinct face and cranium, so it might be a little harder to hide in a makeup unless the makeup's, you know, overbuilt or larger. Is it why you keep your hair really short? That was the best thing I ever did. I cut it for hmm. a play, and it's been nothing but good. It, it certainly helps this kind of job yeah. because typically you are, if not required, strongly encouraged to shave your head, shave your face, shave really? your arms, you know, remove hmm. the hair. So all There's you guys with big, all you you, you uh, woolly mammoth type guys out there that want to go into <laughs> creature roles, get give out it the up. wax. Get out the wax. But um, is this this is union work though? Correct. Yeah, yeah. This has been union work. Okay. I picked up the first things I was doing were like background aliens on Star Trek, mm -hmm. and then through one of the Star Trek movies, I got, did the voucher thing and got my union status. Wow. And, and since then, it's been all union work. Wow. So are you like a series regular on some of these shows? Like I know you do Teen Wolf and, you know, a bunch of these. Yeah. Uh, Teen Wolf was a season-long character last year. And then this year, kind of sporadically through the season, um, American Horror Story, The Piggy Man is, is across the season as well. And so you've done Grimm. Are you still doing Grimm and, and Sleepy Hollow? Well, that's kind of one of the interesting things about the creature suit work. I did go up to Portland to try to get on Grimm as a creature and ended up booking myself as a human. Thank God. Normal old Marty-faced human. that? <laughs> which was fantastic. And no one recognized you. It was like a you. career thing. It was great. Got to, <laughs> got to, got to speak, got to try a dialect. Try, you know, so I said try. Did I, they all say, God, he sounds familiar. <laughs> he looks <laughs> like some sort of monster. Oh, I think he's a guy, guy who does voiceover, so that's why you know his voice. Yeah. But the no. trick of that is, since I was a human and they killed me, I'm done. Like, I can't go back to that show unless it was a supernatural type show where they could somehow bring you back. So one and done. Human, gone. But something like Sleepy Hollow, where I can be a different alien every week yeah. to whatever weeks, it's fantastic. 
A, because I get to come back and have more yeah. fun with these artistic friends that I love, but but B, for myself, the satisfaction of being able to come up with a new character, a new type of physicality. Like most of these guys don't speak. You know, they're encased right. in makeup, so they don't have dialogue. So you basically get to rely on physical movement, um, how you how you carry yourself, mm-hmm. how you how you gesticulate. Wow. And that's part of the fun for me is is discovering that and trying to make it different for everybody. So yeah, you so you have to really have a you know, just like a physical ability to really play and all that kind of stuff, huh? And then it certainly helps, yeah. Yeah, and then um I mean you're such a wiry how tall are you? Six four. Wow. Just over a buck and a half. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> know what that'll get you, but breeze. there you go. Yeah, totally. And it's like, okay, you know, uh, yeah, I was just going to ask you too, do you mm-hmm. make any sounds in these roles, you know? And um, is it like doing background work and you're, is, is, is that what? Sometimes, you know, that's an interesting distinction that is, is difficult on the production side because yeah. a lot of the perception is that these guys who get in makeup are background. Um, there's a connotation with background in the business that's hmm. different than stunt guys or that's right. different than guest stars. Um, the physicality required and the acting ability required to pull off a really good character is, it, you know, something you need to study for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something you just roll out of bed and say, hey, I'm going to go be a monster because you do need to have some sort of distinct yeah. physicality, certainly an awareness of what you can do in the makeup and how it's going to read on camera. Do they show you what the they must have, like, some kind of rendering or something of what the character is going to look like, and they show you that. Is that how it starts, or what? Sometimes what, what, what I'll get what would a be the concept process design. exactly. How would that go? Uh, sometimes I'll get a concept design in the in the email and and kind of a description of the character in, the, in an email. Yeah, oh. sometimes unless it's you know super top secret. Mm-hmm. Um, if not that, just a description in the script to go on. You know, and then I'll just kind of come up with whatever bring that the first day and see if it matches up with their idea, see if wow. there's any, you know, collaboration to kind of refine the character. And then what happens? I mean, do they, no, but I mean, like, is there, I'm sure they're all different, but what I'm trying to ask you is like, is there, all right, you, American Horror Story, that shot here in LA. Yes. So did they just look at other creature things that you've done and go, he's perfect. Let's have him as the piggy man. And then they say, hey, we land a boogie on the piggy man. Come on in. You're booked on Thursday and your agent calls you and says, you got a job for uh, American Horror Story on Thursday. You're the piggy man. I don't know anything about it except that. Here's an, here's an email with the, what the concept looks like. It's a little bit of all of that. Is um, it? I've been doing it long enough that Usually some makeup artists can say, hey, what about this guy or this guy or this guy? And I can be one of those this guys. Yeah. For American Horror Story, I actually came in at the very end of last season to cover the addiction demon for my friend Alexander Ward, who is an also a wonderful creature suit actor, young guy who's done great Is there a whole slew of guys? It's a small group. I think we should have our own podcast where we just sit around and like talk about ourselves. And talk funny. (laughs) And make weird utterances. They talk like this. (laughs) Exactly. They're monsters. I think I I would just want to do the monster voice. I don't want to do... They're fun. I I do them in the masks, whether they want them or not. I'm always making sounds. Can you make sounds? Will they let you make sounds or no? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes you need to be quiet so they can get good, clean audio. Other times they do encourage you to uh, to vocalize to your heart's content, which is always a hoot. Yeah. I love doing that. Nice. Uh, but to, to touch again on American Horror Story briefly, yeah. um, so I, I covered Alexander when he was on Sleepy Hollow doing yeah. a creature. From that, they remembered me and brought me back in for this season to do this Piggy Man character. Wow. So at some point in there, they were figuring out who to go with. And 
And in all this, you've never done any Walking Dead, right? No. I've done zombies. Why? I've done aliens. I've done creatures. I've never been out for Walking Dead. Well, I mean, I know Howard Berger from K&B. Who's um, that? I know. He's one of the guys. He's one of the guys who does the makeup. He's one of the... Oh. The, uh, yes. Blanked on the word. Now, they must, have a, they must have a crew of people, though, doing that show in particular. And I know... Uh, Greg, ne- uh, what's his name? Nicotero. Nicotero, the, the, the director. Guy. Right. I mean, like, he's kind of conceptually done all their... He's really driven that whole thing, you know, since uh, Frank Darabont kind of, like, turned it all over yeah. to them in the first after the first couple of years, I think. And, uh, I mean, that's going into its eighth season. Or, well, it's going into its seventh right now, but they got renewed for the eighth already. Yeah, that's great. It's I don't know what cool. the actual order of business was, but I know Greg, Greg and Howard are KNB. Oh, I and get he it. came out to basically do the the creatures, and then over time, and again, I'm going to get the the chronology wrong, but I know he started directing, and then he got onto right. a producer role, and he's kind of become a, a very oh, integral part key. of the show. Yeah, he's key. Great vision. That. Yeah, incredible. Well, he really has kind of forwarded all of that type of genre, like as far as what they can do with animated whatever you know mm-hmm. but but what someone can wear you know now he, again typically as a union actor if they see your likeness at all if they see your face for even two seconds and this is something that a lot of people who do background are not familiar with they think oh i'm just going to do background for this show and for this tv series or this movie or whatever but if they see your face for even two two minutes or two seconds rather um, you get upgraded, but you're responsible for keeping yourself upgraded or for even, you know, it's going to be some PA or something who's going to give you a voucher. It's not necessarily, they're not the keeper of all that, you know. You have to make sure that it's done correctly, and you only have 90 days to correct it as well. So in terms of the, the, the I mean, it, past that, it, you know, you're out of luck. I mean, that's just how business runs anyway, but, uh, and certainly that's especially true as uh, in terms of acting, you know, for if we see your face and you're doing background, if we see your face for two seconds or longer, commercial, I don't care what it is, you know, if it's a union gig, you've just been upgraded, but you have to make sure that you are upgraded. And I didn't even know that. Well, and here you are as a creature guy, so we're not seeing your face. True. So what happens? It is hidden. Uh, I'm cast specifically as, um, well, whatever whatever the, the thing is through the agent, but it's it's usually like a guest star. Oh, it is? Sometimes top of show. Nice. Depending on the critter. Really? Uh, it's it's a negotiated deal at that level. When were you the top someone. guy? I want to know. Top of show, uh, Sleepy Hollow has done that, yeah. I think, more often than not. I think a couple huh. of them, when when we were one of many, you know, then they, they drop it back down. Huh. But for for the creature of the weeks, they consider it, you know, pretty significant character for that, for that episode. That's fantastic. I love that. Now... What is CG? What would you? What is CG? Well, as it relates to what I do with creature suit stuff, it's typically a computer-generated character. Mm-hmm. I think that's where that's where most of the discussion is. You know, yeah. computer-generated character versus actor in makeup character. Mm-hmm. Where I think the worlds come together really well and mesh is when CG is used to enhance human performance. Like, right. I'm not a big fan of complete CG human characters. I love it as like landscape or architecture or yeah. something like that. But when you enhance a makeup, whether it be like, you know, pieces and chunks of zombies removed via the computer or like eye blinks, they're always hard to get really good eye blinks. So mm. CG can really help bring a character even further to life and make it even more believable. Wow. 
Okay. So I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those guys who's anti-CG. I just don't, I think there's plenty of work for everybody to are do. Are there guys who are stuff. anti-CG? Oh, sure. You're, oh, sure. There's some, there's some folks out there who Jeez. think CG is going to take away all the jobs and that there won't be any room for makeup artists. And, and it, it is a concern because it has taken that a big bite out of it. damn iron horse. It's taken a huge bite out of the business, <laughs> but... There's still, I'm like, like you said, right now on TV, I don't even know how many shows there are, it's but there's insane. a ton of content for people who like doing this kind of bizarre thing and having things glued onto their faces. Yeah, and and again, it's a temperament. You, I know you are so zen. Anyway, I, you are so centered and relaxed and everything. So it's like. And I could never do it. Let's put it that way. Got to be really comfortable just sitting staring at a mirror. I, I mean, I could do it for one or two things. Uh, to make a living at it, I think I would be screwed. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, oh, God, you know, fidget, fidget, fidget. I couldn't do it. But um, shouldn't this dovetail into doing motion capture? What about mocap? I Have you done any mocap? I have not done mocap. I'm I'm really interested in doing it. It seems Can like a superbly fun. Yeah, motion capture, or I think now they've shifted into calling it performance capture, because it's actually so refined that you can get full facial performance in the in the computer data. Wow. So it's the thing where you go in. Typically for video games, you wear some sort of a suit with dots, a helmet with a little camera on it, sort of all you know reference dotted. It's what galore. they did with Avatar. They did it while well, they're doing it with a ton yeah. of different shows right now. You know, and, yep. but it's obviously for. Every game under the sun, if it's not motion capture now, will be within two years. Yeah, is yeah. what, the what I understand. Just exploding right now, and for for actors, I think it's it's still kind of a separate thing. Like I'm doing my thing, and there's not a lot of crossover. There are guys who do motion capture, mm -hmm. and then they just get known as reliable motion capture people, so they bring them back in. It right. just you know saves them trying to reinvent the wheel and yeah. risking any time or money on an unknown commodity. Right. However, the word dovetail is wonderful, and I'm trying to find a way. I'm working on my jig right now so I can dovetail into motion capture because well, it sounds fun. sag after is about to go on strike with the gaming industry. That came out yesterday really? in Variety. Yeah, and it will happen on Monday. I better get on up on my news today. Well, it's a, it's a big one, you know, and, it's, and the reason being is because about three years ago, what started happening, and this is my understanding from a few people that I know who are both producers in you know, games and uh, would have and motion capture in particular. There's four really top uh, motion caption capture directors here in Hollywood that are not Andy Serkis and they're not Peter Jackson. Uh, all those guys, although those two in particular, really kind of uh, you know really kicked the entire art form forward, like dramatically with uh, you know um, Lord of the Rings and all that. You know, but. Um, these two, the, you know, these other four, they had been, you know, producers and and uh, copywriters in Chicago, and now they do mocap, and that's mainly their niche in the industry. It's very interesting. They've done, they've kind of transitioned to this, and um, they do Halo, and they do um, Call of Duty, and they do, you know, all the big fatties, you know, like that. The problem with this is, is that what's happened, and this is not those producers who are doing it, but they're 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 overlords, if as you were, as it were. I don't even play games. I just know weird stuff about this. You know, it's just <laughs> the weirdest data. thing. I just I don't even play. But um, I'll tell you, these guys. Um, what started happening was the talent, the union talent, were going for a voiceover audition or a job, and or it was a job really. And they go, oh, yeah, you know, and you're going to go to this one. Uh, 
uh, studio or what have you. And they'd show up and they go, here's your suit. And they go, my suit? I, I'm a voiceover. It's like, a, oh, well, we need you to put the suit on. And then they, you know, bring them out. And it's basically a giant gym. Right. And they have them jumping like from 10 feet to this and that and the other thing. And guys were like breaking their collarbones and spraining ankles. And, and they're calling their agent like going, what's going on? You know, and they have the little motion capture suit on them with all the little dots so they can be, you know, uh, uh, filmed in every direction you can imagine. And so... Uh, you know, the agents called the union, the union contacted EA or whoever, you know, I want to say EA. I'm not even sure if it was EA or who it was, but but there was a number of different, uh, you know, gaming. Games make $60 billion more than the entire film oh, industry. Huge, now, the huge. actors don't. The voice actors do not. The talent don't. But the gamers do. The guys who, yeah, it's a massive business. Sixty billion dollars more than the entire film industry. It's phenomenal. This whole town is built on the film and television industry. Can you imagine a, a whole other industry that eats it <laughs> like a giant <laughs> whale just goes, you know, and swallows it whole? Uh, that's basically what's happening there. And yet they don't want to hire, oh, you know, talent or a dime a dozen is the, po is the point of view. And they're going, well, I'm just going to get non-union talent the heck with it. It's like, go for it. You're going to replace, what, Mark Hamill and all these famous guys and uh, people who've now established themselves after 15, you know, to 18 years as Batman or what have you, you know, and this kind of stuff. And go, go ahead. Yeah, help yourself. And uh, so they didn't have a good time of it. But they're, they've been at odds with uh, the union on this. And it's mainly because they're double dipping. The talent are hired to, as a voice talent. They show up and they end up getting uh, the raw deal where they're expected to also be stunt guys, you know. Right. And it would be like you and me being, you know, well, you could do a stunt thing. Have you done stunts? You do a fair round in this uh, stuff. Ish. I'm thinking about this motion capture stunt versus acting thing. Yeah. It does come up in what I do. Oh, um, yeah. A lot of times I'm I'm put out as a physical actor, not as a stuntman. I am not a, a trained Big stunt difference. guy. And I respect the hell out of trained stuntmen because that is a very to. tough job that they train for very, very hard. I'm not that guy. And I'm, I have no problem telling the stunt coordinator that I'm not comfortable mm -hmm. doing a stunt. I just did that on Sleepy Hollow. Wow. And they're cool with it. But as you're cast, a lot of times you kind of are expected to cover everything. So I'm just very clear up front wow. that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a 46-year-old, five-year-old. I have the enthusiasm to do it, but I also recognize that, you know, I don't want to hurt my knees. I don't want to have an eye surgery again. You know, How you got to take care of yourself. Was the eye thing from any of this? No, good. Yeah, I mean, you take knocks here and there, and I'm predisposed to certain things with my eyes anyway, mm -hmm. and I should have just been a little more careful. But again, it's that balance that I need to pay attention to myself and know my limits. Mm -hmm. um, because as I said, you know, they'll, they'll hope and expect that you can just be the one guy to cover the entire character. Yeah. But oftentimes you do have to split that off and have someone come in who's trained to take a fall or jump on a wire, do a catapult, you know, things that can mess you up if you don't know how to fix a problem if a problem happens. Yeah, and that's got to be a professional stunt person. I mean, they can't, you can't mix metaphors in that way. I mean, it's just, and that's what the union's saying, and they're trying to protect the talent. Uh, you know, thank God, you know, for that, because that's why I have a union, you know. Yeah. That's why these guys do what they do, you know. So what makes a great creature actor? What what does it take? Besides, uh, obviously, being zen and, uh, you know, a tall, skinny drink of water like yourself. Yeah, body type helps. It's kind of out of your control. But 
Um, I'd say patience first and foremost. Patience above everything. You're going to be sitting a long time when they do head casts and arm casts and you know taking measurements and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You just have to sit there and go to your happy place. So uh, a little bit of Zen patience helps a lot. Um, physical strength and flexibility, as much as you can bank, is really? it's a fantastic thing to do. Um, Beyond that, I think a, a general curiosity and playfulness, um, since you don't get to do a lot of work on building your character through dialogue and emotion and whatnot, you're mostly reliant on physicality. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, someone who is interested in physicality of other animals, other creatures, has a really strong imagination, that's probably one of the key things you can mm -hmm. bring to trying to get creature suit work. So... In other words, you got to act. <laughs> yes, yes. Standing there with makeup on just looks like you're standing there with makeup on. That's so they right. certainly want people who can bring their makeup to life. Well, it's just like even if you have your back to the camera, I mean, um, you've got to have a thought in your head and there's got to be, you've got to physically, you know, physicalize it in some way. You've got to bring it to life. So, yeah, interesting stuff. So do you ever do ADR? You know, do you do automated dialogue replacement later as that creature or anything? I haven't, but I think I'm going to be going in for um, Teen Wolf this year to, really? to at least audition the voices. Because I mentioned nice. that the beginning of the season had some good ideas. And since I'd been there another season prior, they were a little amenable to me at least coming in and giving it a whirl. And who do you mention that to? The line producer or producer producer or i don't know well, there's oh, gotta be a pretty much a scattergun tactic um i'll first talk to my makeup guys and say so do you know do you know do you know who's doing the voice for this character because you know I, I like to do the voice for the character and then they pass along the word and then i'll talk to the the producer and then eventually you usually get put in touch with the post-production supervisor and they'll bring you in or not bring you in so all right cool so um what do you need to know in advance to do creature work i mean that should you get booked on something like this, what should you ask? Oh, that's a great question. Um, getting a sense of what's going to be involved with the makeup itself, seeing if there's going to be, you know, one of the worst things is if your cartilage is bent, if your nose is out of whack or your ear is bent. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't sound like anything if you didn't know. But after an hour or two of that and the blood stops flowing, you're in crazy pain. After five or six hours, you're desperate to get out of it. So something as simple as that, wow. like making sure your cartilage is straight in your nose and your ears. Huge, huge thing. Huh. So, you know, just kind of being aware of, of your own needs um, over the long term, over wow. multiple hours. You and I have a friend in common, actually. Well, it's my one of my best buddies from college, Jeannie Taylor, her husband, Tom Flouts. Mm -hmm. And you knew. And when I first met you, you told me, I don't know how we hooked up on that, but you said... Uh, I know Tom or whatever, right? Yeah, I've, as you do in this biz, I've run into Tom numerous times over the years. We did a little bit of something a number of years ago. Haven't really worked together on a job job, though. He was one of the makeup artists helping out on American Horror Story. So mm, really? it's kind of like this weird family. You know, you, you run around town, you go to these jobs, you meet people you've seen for a dozen years. The best thing is going to Monsterpalooza. Do you know Monsterpalooza? What? No. It's now happening twice a year, once in Pasadena, once in Burbank. Okay. And it is basically just a gathering of people who are in the industry who love doing this work and maybe have their own art that they can bring to the show. It's like a trade show. Yeah. Um, a lot of Academy Award winning makeup artists will be there doing demos. You can walk right up to someone who has an Academy Award on the shelf and say, hey, and can you Tom. put a temporary tattoo on me, please? And talk what? about makeup. Uh, so it's great. You know, people come to 
to experience that, to yeah. to learn from these people, to wow. purchase their art and support them. It's fantastic. It's a great thing. When is it? I mean, this is almost Halloween. We're just a couple of weeks out from Halloween right now. So, I mean... Well, it's been such a blur, I can't remember the dates. There was just, they, they break it up into Son of Monsterpalooza, the smaller show in Burbank, oh. and then Monsterpalooza in Pasadena okay. at the convention center, and I think they alternate every six months. So you can just go year-round. It's Halloween all the time in this town. Let's face facts. You know what this I'm dressing up for for Halloween, Kate? Marty. Nothing. Marty. I'm going to wear a McCullis. suit. I'm going to shave and wear a suit. Oh, yeah. That would be out of... That, that, that would be kind of... No one's going to recognize me. It would be very unusual for you. What's the worst experience you've ever had? I've got to know. Uh, no real specific worst experience, but there's a, a trend. And it's typically when you spend hours and hours in the makeup chair. Mm. And sometimes extra hours because other things come down the pipe and are, are told to people at the very last second, which all the makeup guys just love when that happens. Uh, so you, you spend all this time doing all this beautiful paint and all these applications and smooth edges, and it's just a beautiful makeup. Then you go to set and you wait. And, and then something else happens and you wait. And then they say, oh, we've got to do this other thing. And you wait longer. And then after a few more hours, they say, okay, let's take Marty out of makeup. And you don't get to shoot. They don't even use the makeup. So that happens sometimes just out of what happens during the day and the schedule's getting out of hand. Sure. But that sucks because, you know, you're all dressed up. And Do they pick, do They take photos of you, I would assume, all the time, right? Yeah, there's reference photos going on throughout the process so they can duplicate their paint jobs and, you know, certain little things that happen on the... On the creature. Do you use usually have the same makeup artist assigned to you, or how does that work? Typically so. If it's a large call, um, you'll just be thrown into a chair more often than not, I think. But the artist wants to recreate the same thing sure. the next day, so there's consistency in that. Nice. All right, so what's the best? What's the best experience you've ever had? Every single time, because I'm a five-year-old kid and I love it. <laughs> it's... The best job is when the makeup is complete mm -hmm. and I stand up in the makeup trailer and get a full look at myself as this wow. creature yeah. and can really lock it in and try to forget Marty and yeah. take on character traits. Try to forget Marty after all that. You you're, you do full body stuff. I mean, this is oh, not just like a head it, or a hand or something. It know? gets so technical. I'm still like, oh man, I hope I don't burp. You know, like I'm still me for yeah, sure, 100% yeah. of the time. But <laughs> as soon as you get to go out there and they say action, yeah. that's, that's the best part. That's nice. the best job. As that's soon awesome. as they say action, you get to play. And uh, that's why I'm still doing this. Nice. This is awesome. Well, thanks, Marty. I'm glad you came in. This is our little Halloween treat, is having Marty Matulis, the ultimate creature feature, uh, you know, go-to actor in the business, in my personal experience, which <laughs> 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 I have none. So there you go. But uh, you're a phenomenal voiceover. You've got a great commercial demo. You've got a great commercial or a narrative demo as well, which is phenomenal. And you've got a terrific agent with KMR. And They're fantastic, and thank you for all the help with the voiceover. My pleasure. You're the you're so awesome, and it's great to have you in here. Thanks so much for coming. Happy Halloween, guys. Thanks, Kate. This is Kate McClanahan. This has been the Sound Advice Podcast. To find out more about voiceover and our process, check out voiceoverinfo.com.